Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I'm Angie Bauman, and this is episode 126, Curtain Call. And my guest today is editor and award-winning author, Lynita Smith. Lynita talks openly about something to which many of us can relate. She appeared to have it all. Good marriage, adorable children, nice home. She homeschooled, led programs at church, and took care of all the things she was supposed to take care of. She kept the balls in the air and the plates spinning until she began to experience flashback memories that ushered her into a dark season of wandering and questioning her reality. Lynita would learn that she deals with complex PTSD caused from childhood abuse never brought to the light. And as she says in the interview, it is a club to which many are members and no one wants to belong. And we can stand together in solidarity, but each journey towards healing is unique. Lainita's courage is magnetic, and I'm so pleased to be able to share her with you. Our verse for this episode is one of Lainita's go-to verses, and it comes from Psalm 27:13, which says in the NIV, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Sometimes we go through a season and it's tough to see God's goodness. It's easy to see pain, defeat, shame, brokenness but much harder to experience light and hope and healing. But this verse holds the promise that God's goodness and our ability to experience and live in God's goodness isn't only coming in our eternal home. It's here now among us, all around us, and we get to decide whether or not we notice it, embrace it, or not. Lynita is noticing, and she trusts God with her story. And I believe in our conversation, you will hear God calling you to notice too and to trust him with your story as well. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome into this podcast episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is Lainita Smith. Lainita, welcome to the Steady On community. Thank you. It's good to be here. Lainita and I are friends, not friends, almost like we have we have mutual people that mean a great deal to us. And we both work on Kathy Lips intern team, uh, Lainita, with a great deal of more responsibility than I have. But uh, uh, we have we are partners in ministry. And yet this is the first time that we've sat down together. And I am so looking forward to spending this time with you, Lainita. I want to learn a little bit more about your memoir and about the the work that God has done in your life to inspire the memoir. But I was reading up about your memoir, Curtain Call, and I understand that you received several accolades and awards. I wonder if I can maybe put you on the spot just a little bit. Was there something in all of that that was just like, I know it was all important to you, but was there something in that that was just a a really cool surprise or something that just was an honor to you as you put that work out into the world? You know, all of it was a big surprise. I, um, you know, you, you enter in a lot of contests as a writer and you don't really expect to win because you know there are lots of other people entering the same contest. So um, getting, getting those awards was, I felt like um, it was sort of God saying, well done, you're, you're, mm. you're on the right track, keep going. Because as you know, the, the communicator life is hard sometimes. And you sort of wonder, am I doing the right things? Am I, you know, am I <clears throat> supposed to be here? And so those, it, it's great to get man's um, applause. And we all like that. But for me, I, I felt like it was more of affirmation of God saying, 
yes, this is, this is what I've brought you here for mm, and I keep going. That. Yeah. I love that. I feel like in my work too, just every once in a while, God will like, like move the curtain a little, use your word, move the curtain just a little bit. And I can see something that my work is doing. And then so that I don't get a big head, as Paul says, right. He just puts it right back. And there's a lot of times we don't know. We don't know how our words are landing. We don't know if they're resonating with people. We just continue to try to take steps in obedience, but he's so kind to us that I think every once in a while, he's just, as you said, like, sometimes it feels really good to get that with skin on, if you will, or get it, you know, get a word back from someone else that says, this is really valuable. Keep at it because you're on the right track. Yes. Yes. I think, I think we all, we all need that from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your story. I know you talk about something that you call was a stage perfect Christian life and how that was interrupted. And I wondered if you would kind of define that a little bit for us. What do you, what, what was a stage perfect Christian life in your life and um, in your walk and how was that interrupted? What was that like for you? Sure. I, I felt like I had everything that I wanted. Um, It was a beautiful home, a very loving husband. Um, My children were um, absolutely adorable. I, you know, I spent their, their whole childhood and youth homeschooling them. So um, time with them, you know, investing in them was really important. And I was getting to do all of that. And so um, also taking on various leadership positions in church, you know, I, I had, I felt like I had become what I had always wanted to be was just that um, the, the Christian woman that had it all together. And so um, what I didn't, uh, what I tried to ignore was the fact that God still needed to do a little bit of work with me. So what interrupted that um, was what I later, I thought, first I thought I was going crazy, but um, what I later learned was um, PTSD and complex PTSD. And so it started with very vivid flashbacks. And I, um, if you, if you don't know what uh, um, is happening, it's all, you know, it's, it's really scary, but the flashbacks reminded me, I knew they were real memories. I did remember them, but the flashbacks reminded me that, oh, I'm not this, I'm not this have it all together Christian woman. I've got big, big gashes in there. And so um, I did not want my identity (laughs) to be that abused little girl. I wanted my identity to be this have it all together, uh, strong woman. And so um, that was pretty devastating to me at first. Would you say that it sounds almost like a, like you, you were portraying someone that you weren't, Uh, inside. Right. Um, And so I I wonder how intentional was that? Was that something that, like you said, they were flashbacks. So you, you had this pain that you weren't maybe owning or dealing with. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there was this pain and you were living like over it or around it or something. Was that, was that for others or was that also for Lainita? Oh, it was definitely for Lainita. You Mm -hmm. know, I, I honestly felt like I had put that all behind me. I honestly, I I felt like it was all dealt with, 
But you know, when, when you're a child and you live a certain way, you do not know um, what is normal. You don't know what is right. And I kind of chalked some of it up to, I grew up in a, in a home that wasn't a Christian. And then um, I wanted to, we dedicated our family as we, you know, when my husband and I got married, we covenanted together to raise our family um, to, to follow Jesus. And so um, I, I, I truly felt like I had dealt with it and it was all behind me and um, I could just forget about it. What, that makes me curious, what, why, what motivated you and your husband to want to have a Christian family if that wasn't your upbringing? I, I became a Christian very early on. I, I like to say I was a free range kid. So in, in Buffalo, Wyoming in the, in the seventies and early eighties, you could send, actually, even now, I think in that town, you probably can send your kids out and, um, they're just, you know, they can just do whatever they want as long as they're home by dinner. Right. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I had a lot of freedom in, in that respect. And so, I, I would walk myself down to church, to the church um, near my house, probably four or five blocks. And um, they were very nice to me there. I really loved my Sunday school teachers and they spent a lot of time. They invested in me. So I had, I had the seeds early on. I think uh, when we moved away, I wasn't, I wasn't discipled all along the way. So I had some bumps, but those, those seeds were planted. I always did want to, um, please God and follow him. Yeah. I'm just curious. Someone listening is wondering this too. I think what drew you there? If it wasn't your parents, what did you experience there that you liked or that you wanted or that you needed? I think it's, I think your answer will help us understand so much about what the local church can do in the lives of young people. I just wondered what, what was your experience there? I, I think my Sunday school teachers must have just seen that I mm. uh, needed some extra love and yeah. attention. Yeah. They, they spent, I, I could even go down there during the week if I knew, you know, they would volunteer there. They would do their um, Sunday school prep. I helped cut out materials. Um, I just wanted to hang out with them because they loved me. They yeah. wanted to spend time with me. Oh. And um, it was just, you know, sharing in that relationship. So it wasn't just an hour on Sunday morning and Sunday schools. I, I could go, I could go down there yeah. anytime that, that I knew they were there. And one of them lived in the parsonage right next to the church building. So, um, you know, it was just go knock on the door. And I was, I was <laughs> always welcome. And yeah. so, you know, that was just a really warm feeling that I loved. And I, I, I did believe the Bible from, from the, the beginning. I think earlier on um, when I was young, there was also kind of a, this fear of hell and punishment. Mm -hmm. And so um, believing that I was inherently bad kind of led me to, okay, how do I, yeah. how do I escape this mm -hmm. dreadful punishment sure. that people talk about? And so um, you know, I wanted to know those sorts of things. And so, um, one of the Sunday school teachers shared the, shared the gospel with me and I, I gratefully received the gift of salvation. 
I love that. And I, I just, I appreciate you sharing that piece of your story because I think it helps us remember sometimes we try to complicate it, like what kids need or what uh, people who don't know Jesus need. And I think you said it so well, what I, what I needed was to be loved. I needed to be welcome. I needed to be accepted when they were cutting out whatever I needed somebody to hand me a pair of scissors and say, you can do this too, you know? And, um, and I just think that's a beautiful, a way that those people involved in that church were or feeling the love of Jesus and then transferring or, or passing that or sharing it, you know, with someone else that, um, that the seeds of that are still evident in your life or the fruit of that is still evident in your life today. I love that. I love that so much. Christmas is coming. Does that make you feel excited or angsty? If preparing for Christmas feels more like a race to win or an event to avoid than a peace-filled experience, you might consider joining me for Count Up, Preparing Our Hearts for Christmas. It's a free virtual event hosted by me and my dear ministry friend, Jennifer Elwood. Jenny and I have certainly experienced holiday overwhelm to the extreme, but we also know how important this season is to prepare our hearts to recognize and celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we've put together an offering to help us and hopefully you remember that Christmas isn't a holiday to count down to with dreadful anxiety, but up to with hopeful anticipation. The event will be emailed out November 1st through 4th and conclude with a live Zoom event on November 5, where lots and lots of gifts will be given away. Day one of the event will focus on cultivating a Christmas heart. Day two on setting Christmas expectations. Day three on reclaiming Christmas joy. And day four on managing Christmas stress. Jenny and I will be sharing along with other ministry friends and each session will help you minimize stress and celebrate joy during the quickly approaching Christmas season. There's a link to register in today's show notes. And yes, I did say the entire event is free. I hope you'll join us. And now back to the show. So you talked about a time when you, when these memories began to surface and you felt like you were going crazy. You said, um, I read that. I think you've written that you thought perhaps you were having a breakdown. Uh, would you, would you take us there just a little bit? What was that like for you? I was in the midst of one of the busiest times I was trying to finish up my youngest daughter. She was at her senior in high school. So we were finishing up homeschool. I had decided that I wanted to get a bachelor's degree. So I was working on that. And I also had a job at the, um, at the university in the writer's lab. So helping other writers and I, I just, I think it may be my way of coping with becoming an empty nester or the, the prospect of becoming an empty nester, but I just was overly um, committed to a lot of things. And so um, I didn't really have time for these memories, but when you deal with complex PTSD, it, is, it isn't just a vivid flashback that you feel, um, you feel the emotions and the intensity of the emotions um, just as you did when the original thing happened. Um, it, is, it is also that you feel deeply the inherent beliefs that develop because of that. So um, you're a bad person, um, you're not lovable, those, those sorts of things. And so, um, going from, Hey, I've, 
I'm this loved wife. I've got a great husband and I, um, I have a wonderful relationship with my kids in this beautiful house and a great community and all of that, um, then became, oh no, I am just this absolutely worthless person. And why did God even put me on this earth? And so those sorts of things kind of, kind of take over. And so it, it was a breakdown in the sense that um, I, I almost wished I didn't have to keep going. But and, um, I, and how long were you there in that? That sounds like a very dark and scary place to me. How, how long do you feel mm-hmm. like you kind of stayed there before it began to shift? It was probably six months of that. Okay. That's a long time. And yeah. And I had not told my husband most of the stuff that happened to me as a child. So not even he knew. And um, so there, there was the shame on top of that. Like if I start talking about this, um, what are people going to think of me? Yeah. Is my husband still, still going to want to be with me? Kind yeah. of things. Yeah. And so that was my mindset in the moment. Now I, now I realize that was totally false. It was, you know, absolutely not true at all. Um, he, my husband has, was an amazing support through all of this and it did cause a little bit of friction, um, at first, but then, um, that friction, uh, um, caused him to insist that we go to marriage counseling and then the marriage counseling led to individual counseling. And so that's really where I think, um, just in those, in those months when, when I was dealing it with, with it by myself was the, the hardest, it was dark and scary, but then, <clears throat> yeah, what I learned though, um, was that I was not alone. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're in that place, you feel like you're all alone and honestly, there are too many of us. There are yeah. so many. So, um, <clears throat> not that I'm glad that anyone else experienced this, but I was just really grateful that I wasn't the only one. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I believe that that's what the, that's why the enemy wants us to keep it to ourselves because isolation is one of his most powerful tools, right? If we can feel we're alone in something, which is a lie, always a lie, because even if everyone abandons us, the Lord promises that God never leaves nor forsakes us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but the truth is that most of the time the people won't abandon us either, but there's something in us that just feels like if I let this out, this out, I'll, I'll speak for myself in my own situation with abuse. But if I, if I let this out, I can't put it back in. Like we know that there's no putting it back in. And we fear we're not, when we let it out, we can no longer control the narrative, right? Like, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what's going to happen. And we imagine I did anyway. I imagine that it's just, it's going to be so bad that I'll be so sorry that I ever said anything. It's, it's easier to keep a hold of it than to face what we cannot know, what we cannot control. Right. Right. Yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because we, we believe all kind of voices in our head. Um, but uh, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice Yes, and they, and they follow me. Yes. And um, <clears throat> there was, there was one particular time when I was just in a bad state, I was crying and I was praying things like I just told you um, 
why did you let this happen to me? If you loved, if you, if you love me, why? And why did you even make me me? I want to be one of those people who's had a nice childhood. You, you know, those people they've had, they've, the people it's that been, have it all been, together, right? Like, yes. the, yeah, mm-hmm, right. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the have it all together, I, I know. now know is absolutely. Exactly. Is, I say it with sarcasm, but that's what we think. <laughs> I think sometimes we think, you know, that's what I want, but we don't know the what's behind that, that, you know, just right. like somebody didn't know what was behind our that either. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was praying these prayers and um, I was driving at the time, which, you know, was probably not the best plan, but they're, they're, it hit me when I was driving. Yeah. And so um, I, I pulled into the garage and I heard, I heard a voice and, and it wasn't audible, thankfully, because that probably would have scared the dickens out of me, but I, I heard a voice and I knew immediately that it was, that it was God's voice because it was so different from all the other voices that I had, that had been pummeling me for like six months. Um, but all he said was, Lainita, will you trust me with your story? And that, you know, um, it wasn't condemning. It wasn't, you know, why don't you straighten up? How come you're questioning me? I'm a sovereign God. It was just like, hey, can you trust me? And so um, I had to sit and think about it for a minute. I had ice cream melting in the trunk. <laughs> but, you know, I had to, I, I just sat there behind the steering wheel and I thought, if I do trust him, like you were saying, I I'm probably not going to be able to put that back. Right. I'm, it's it's going to be out and um, I'm probably going to have to talk about it. But then on the other hand, I wasn't doing such a great job managing my story. So um, you know what? Why not? <laughs> what do I have to lose? So I just out loud in the car, I just said, I, I probably, it probably someone observing me probably would have thought I was n- nuts, but I just said, okay. I'll trust you. Yeah. And, and what does it look like to you? How would you define trust him with our story? What is that? What has that meant to you since that experience? And thank you for sharing that. I love those powerful, the way that God comes to us when the ice cream's melting in our car. Like, I, like I, he wants us to have those like moments that we can return to when it gets hard. Right. I think that's like, the, there's, it's not audible and yet it's so real it's like, that's the truth. And you can't knock me down there. Like, I know that he was calling me in that moment. I know he was inviting me. I know he was loving me. And so that will, that helps us so much as we move forward. So thank you for letting us experience that with you. Um, but what has it meant since that to, to live out that? Yes, I will trust you with my story. Well, it, it, first of all was, um, confessing to safe people, what Mm -hmm. was going on. So, um, first in the counselor's office, then um, my husband, and then um, other safe people who could, who I knew could help. And then um, for me, it was writing the story down. This story I never wanted told is now anybody in the world can go, (laughs) can can read this story. Um, For me, that was, that was cathartic. And I, um, God gave me some books to read. Uh, Mary DeMuth's Not Marked was invaluable. Um, and so um, I think God, knowing that I'm just sort of a bookworm <laughs> that I, who loves to read and write, that he just kind of used those. 
um, to help me. So trusting him with my story looks like letting him heal me in the ways that um, he knows are best for me. Um, and it also, it also, no, um, it, it looks like remembering that he's good, even then when, you know, like the doubt starts to creep in, you know, you think about um, Ukrainians <clears throat> dying in the war, you know, um, or, or you, or you hear about a shooting or something like that. Um, and then you just have to cling to what you know, you know, that he is good, you know, that he can take anything that's meant for evil and turn it to good. Yes. Yeah. You've mentioned a couple of times this, um, complicated PTSD, right? CP, CPT, CPTSD. I want to say it right. And I think a lot of us probably are familiar with PTSD, but, um, maybe less familiar with CPTSD. And you talked about it just a little bit before, but would you just unpack that so that we all kind of understand what you're talking about when you mention that? I think so. Um, complex PTSD comes with, I, I just it comes with more baggage than PTSD. It is it is it isn't just um, the nightmares and reliving bad memories. It's also the um, like I said the the inherent um, beliefs. So you know. Um, there's a lot of times it comes with suicidal ideation that comes with feeling worthless. Um, some, some, not, not me, I don't think, but some have dissociation. So um, it, it just goes a, a lot deeper. And I think it's, um, it's harder to care for yourself because, because you have these feelings um, and these inherent beliefs that lead you to believe that you're not even worth caring for um, versus I think PTSD um, is, is just, is, you know, it's the, the immediate effects that can, that can sort of go away a lot easier. So complex PTSD is just a lot, a lot deeper and a lot more long living. I think about that in my own life versus I was in a a head on car crash about 12 years ago. And I had like, I have memories from that. I have flashbacks. I have had nightmares. I have, you know, things much less frequently now. Uh, and, and I, I always say that's the easy thing in my story to talk about as like, it was like more dramatic in some ways it was, I mean, you know, there were helicopters and ambulances and multiple surgeries. And like, it was, it was a very difficult situation, but the abuse in my teenage years is I I'll just use that is so complicated and it, it creates such doubt on my ability to love and be loved. And it creates doubt on my confidence in myself to be a judge of character, if you will. And it create. Mm-hmm. and so I think I, I'm listening to you talk and I'm sort of like maybe in my own life, kind of comparing those two things in, um, the, what the car crash did a lot to my life and God used it so much to usher me into a season of healing from the abuse. Like, and so the way he works is just magnificent and beyond what I can uh, fathom but it's, but it's the memories of the abuse and that time frame that really casts so much more. The car crash doesn't make me doubt who I am. It was unfortunate. It was, it was hard. Right. But the, but that situation, the abuse in my past 
it, it creates room for me to doubt who I am and that I am good as you're saying. Yeah. So I can, I can, I think I can appreciate the difference. Yeah. I, I think those two examples you gave are just our perfect examples between the difference of PTSD and complex PTSD. Yeah. yeah. Thanks yeah. for doing that with us because I, I didn't, I didn't have a good education around that at all. So um, I'm wondering in, you know, you mentioned that the sheep know my voice. Uh, I wonder as you have, I love that verse too, by the way, but I, as you have gone through this process and I'm going to guess that it wasn't like a clean line up. I'm, I mean, in my own life, it's been like a little bit up and a little bit down and a little bit up. And sometimes things still raise their ugly head and all of that stuff. And so as you continue to, you know, live in more freedom from this, or even continue to deal with the, the CPTSD, um, that's a part present in your life, are there is there a verse or uh, maybe several, but is there a favorite or two of yours that you just cling to and go back to and, and, uh, and thank God for the promise that you find in it? Yes. Well, you're, you're right. There's several, I, God's word just by the way, has been really instrumental in my healing because you can't know who God is if you don't know his word yes. and you can't know who you are if you yes. don't know who God is. Yes, yes, yes. And so, um, yeah. but one of the, one of the verses that came to me um, via, it was actually in the message version uh, in 2014, when all of this started, um, it was from Psalm 27, 13 to 14. And uh, the message version says, I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll mm. say it again. Stay with God. Mm. And, and I, uh, the first time I encountered that, I was like, you see God's goodness now. Cause I thought maybe, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it is in heaven. But when, you know, when we're in the afterlife, everything will be good. And, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see yeah. his goodness, but for right now it's almost impossible, but if you, if you take that promise and look every day, mm -hmm. you can see God's goodness. You can look back in your life. You can look at what he's doing in other people's lives. And uh, despite our best efforts as humans, sometimes God really, really puts his goodness on display. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that encouragement. I think we have the ability to connect with him when we intentionally seek him, we will find him. He is in all of our days and all of our moments and all of our stories. It is easy. Uh, I, there's a verse in Habakkuk, it's uh, 317 that talks about how, um, even though the tree doesn't blossom and the fields are empty and this, the stable is empty and those things yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. And uh, mm -hmm. years ago, the Lord just called that verse and or brought that verse into my life and challenged me because I so often look at the empty fields. Like so many of the fields in my life are bountiful, right? Like so many of the pens are full, but if I'm not careful, I'll stand and stare at the empty ones. And I think what you're saying in that verse from Psalms, like calls that into question again, too, like you can see the exuberance of the Lord. You can see the goodness of the Lord all around you. Will you choose to raise your head and look right? Or will you choose to stare at the ones, the places that are bare? And we all have those in our lives. And so we, we all, we all face that choice. So thank you for that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a book by Mary DeMuth that helped you a lot. And I'm wondering here, kind of as we close, I don't like to uh, ever let a guest leave without checking on what kind of resources they can recommend to us. So is there anything else that helped you 
in that place, in those, especially those six months that were pretty dark or, you know, following as you went through some counseling, um, or, and, or is there anything that you're doing right now that's really helpful to you in keeping you connected with God? Yeah, I think, um, well, another book by Mary DeMuth is her story. It's called Thin Places. It's, um, it's a wonderful little memoir. Um, you might, I, I love memoir. I love other people's stories, Me especially too. stories of, of, you know, God helping through triumph or, or, you know, God doing something yeah. wonderful. So, um, that's probably my favorite genre. Um, recent, the most recent book that I just finished, um, is a book called seven steps to getting off sugar and carbohydrates by Susan Neal. And, um, that's another, that's another one of the, um, symptoms of complex PTSD for me is, is food addiction. And so, um, that's, I think probably my next step as you, as you were saying, as God continues to heal, um, is to, um, get physically healthy. Mm. And so, um, that's what I'm doing right now, but that, that book was really helpful. She writes it from a Christian perspective. So, um, and in a medical perspective too. So it, it, um, it was really encouraging and, um, I learned a lot from it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I really appreciate what you just mentioned because so many of us can relate to that when we do have pain. And I think especially pain that is, um, has not come to light or is in the process of coming to light, we'll reach for other things, right? Because we're loyal to the thing that speaks to our pain and, and food Mm -hmm. and a variety of other things will it does provide a temporary reprieve. Uh, it's not lasting, right. But, uh, but it does provide a temporary reprieve. And I think even those of us who love Jesus and believe in his promises and want to live by those, it's still really hard to not reach for things that, you know, a lot of times are a faster fix to what's hurting in us. So I appreciate you being open and sharing that with us because I, I know a lot of us can relate to that. I can for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I need a, this has been fantastic. I just appreciate you so much. Um, I am uh, looking forward to sharing this conversation with others. I know it's going to t- touch their heart very much. Uh, Linita can be found at linitasmith.com and her memoir is called Curtain Call. What a beautiful name for, uh, for a memoir. And I will link and put all of that and other places that you can find and follow Linita in today's show notes. And so I encourage you, my friend, to take a look at that. And again, Linita, thank you so much for being here and for serving us today sharing pieces of your story. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to join you. Thanks, Angie. And friend, thank you for listening. Until next time, peace. Thank you, Linita, for your willingness to explore your pain, hear the call of God, and trust Him with your story. You are a gift, my friend, and an example, a living example of the goodness of God in the land of the living, because you encourage us to take notice and see His goodness for ourselves. Thank you. Linita's book is called Curtain Call, and her website is linitasmith.com, and you can find that and all the other places to find and follow her in today's show notes. Psalm 2713 again, this time from the message. I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Next week, Jill Bond will be my guest to talk about joy. Jill is the host of the podcast Find Joy No Matter What, and we'll be talking about how we find joy in the middle of hard places. If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would follow the podcast on whatever directory you're using to listen. It only takes a second and it guarantees you'll see new episodes 
as soon as they drop. And speaking of new episodes, there is a bonus episode dropping this week with my amazing Bible Talk co-host, Susie Crosby. We will dive deep into Psalm 2713 and pick a word from the verse to study and find life application. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.